Hi there. Thanks for joining me on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, the way to become a confident teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes are transformational, not just transactions, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal growth because having a strong and healthy mindset is such an important piece of being a confident teacher. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 271. So you're listening to this on sometime on or after the 11th of December, 2023. I'm recording this on Thursday, December 7th. And of course, we're getting to the end of the year. So it's a really exciting time. I mean, with the holidays, it's exciting with just the energy of getting towards the end of the year. It's exciting. And I'm wondering where you're at. I'm, I'm going to really focus on a couple different things in this episode. The overarching theme is definitely going to be focused on harnessing the power of this time of year as we head into the new year. And if that's triggering for you in some way, maybe you're feeling like you're not a holiday person, which quite frankly, I'm not either. <laughs> or maybe you're feeling like, you know, setting goals is pressure filled or assessing how your year went is pressure filled or looking towards the next year is a mixture of emotions. I, you know, I totally get that. This is not meant to be a planning session per se, or a planning conversation per se, it's more designed to be just a general conversation between me and you about teaching yoga and the kind of yoga teacher you want to be. And it just so happens that we're having this conversation towards the end of this particular year. And so of course, what that means is that it's happening if you sort of look at it in a circadian rhythm sort of way, <laughs> we can sort of leverage just the natural ebb and flow of the universe to sort of propel us in the direction that we wanna go. And whatever that direction is for you, that's the direction that your heart is encouraging you to go on. I am definitely not here to prescribe a certain path for you, although I definitely, definitely am here to encourage you to get really crystal clear as much as you can right now on the direction you want to go as a teacher, because I very firmly believe without that sort of um, insight, you will be a cork in the ocean. And believe me, there are many, many forces at work that will take you in all sorts of different directions that's really away from your true north. And so it's so, so important for you and for me that we know where we want to go, you know, that in our personal own personal Google Maps or personal map quest, we know the destination that we're leveraging that app to get us to. 
uh, you wouldn't get in your car and drive to nowhere. You get in a car with a destination in mind. But time and time and time again, I speak to yoga teachers and they're not quite sure where they want to go. And believe me, this is not a conversation about the business side of teaching yoga. That is part of it. So where you want to go might be defined in terms of where are you teaching? What kind of money do you want to be making? Do you want to teach full-time as your full-time focus? Whatever that looks like. It also though can mean who am I as a yoga teacher? How am I showing up for my classes? And who do I want to show up as when I teach? And I don't mean that in the way of you're putting on airs or you're putting on a different persona. It's really honestly more about, am I showing up authentically? Am I showing up as myself? And that, believe me, I can certainly speak from personal experience. That is a literal destination. I mean, when I think about years ago, when I got in my you know, virtual car as a yoga teacher, I was definitely not driving in the direction of showing up in my classes as myself. I was showing up as my mentor, Baron Baptiste, because he was the person that trained me. I admired him. I saw the quote unquote successes that he had that I thought at the time were meaningful, uh, literal, important kinds of successes. And at the time I wanted those successes. And my views have changed, not anything against him, not anything against any of the things that he's achieved. It's just that the priority became more and more about me showing up as myself. And in order to do that, in order to do that, when I got into my virtual car and drove to the destination of me being myself over and over and over again, and deeply and honestly and authentically, I needed to move past a whole bunch of limiting beliefs and many of the limiting beliefs I had, the number one belief being, well, if I show up as myself, when I teach yoga, no one's going to like me. I hear from yoga teachers all the time and you may have them right now yourself. And so, you know, honestly in 2024, I am going to lean into more and more of the mindset piece of what it takes to be an extraordinary yoga teacher. Because in my experience, especially over this past year of working with teachers in my program and talking to dozens and dozens of teachers throughout the year, the number one area where yoga teachers have challenges is not entirely in the skill and strategy world, it's in the mindset department. And the interesting thing is today I was listening to a podcast and it was a business podcast. It's actually called My First Million. And they interview founders or talk about companies that are very successful and some of the lessons that we can all as entrepreneurs learn about these companies. And one of the hosts of this podcast uh, was saying that he's uh, created a program, a mastermind of sorts, a, an ongoing group of sorts for entrepreneurs to talk about their limiting beliefs and mindset blocks and, and sort of mental challenges uh, that get in the way of them being uber successful and not just in a monetary sense, in a way of being sense. I mean, there are so many millionaires and billionaires out there in the world who are miserable, right? I don't know that from personal experience, but even if we don't look at that income level, the point is money doesn't, you know, buy you happiness. And it certainly doesn't buy you personal peace. 
And so in my experience of working with yoga teachers, what I find is that the mindset piece is becoming more and more clear to me as one of the biggest barriers that teachers have. And I have worked through so many of my mindset blocks uh, as a yoga teacher. And I, I find that when I have teachers enroll in my program, we spend a good amount of time uh, in conversation about different mindset blocks that teachers have. And the transformation that they experience working with me comes almost more from moving past some of their limiting beliefs than even the anatomy and the cueing and the uh, sequencing skills that, that I share with them. So that's where we're at. And, you know, I want to, I want to sort of transition to the, the next part of the conversation, because I, I just had an opportunity earlier today to participate. I'm part of an entrepreneurs group, and we did uh, sort of a reflection exercise with one of the mindset coaches. And we were being led through this exercise that involved looking back at this year and looking ahead to next year and just some introspective inquiry type questions that we were being asked and we were doing a little journaling exercise. And one of the things that came up in this exercise was this idea that, you know, when, when she was asking us to, to sort of look back at the goals we had set for ourselves uh, in January of 2023, and here we are in December of 2023, and did we hit those goals? You know, the natural evolution of that conversation is, well, if you didn't hit those goals, what comes up for you and what, what does that mean to you? And then she said something that I've heard before, and it's just so profound. And I've actually used this in conversation with teachers when I, when I work with them, this idea that nothing has any meaning except the meaning we give to it. Nothing has any meaning except the meaning we give to it. And this is a, a sort of a mental paradigm, sort of a mental framework that I never, ever really thought of until well into my 50s, like I'm 59 now. And definitely in my life uh, over the past 10 years or so, as an entrepreneur, as an independent yoga teacher, as someone who, you know, teaches teachers and develops programs for them, all of that. I was very much in, in the early days and even up until the past couple of years, um, making things mean something bad when I didn't reach my goals, when things didn't work out. In fact, a couple of years ago, it was so debilitating the way I was making things mean something negative about me um, that I, that I thought I wanted to just quit and shut the business down and just go back to working corporate. I was like, why am I doing this? I could just work nine to five and make, you know, when I left my last corporate job, I was making $110,000 a year, which back then 2002, 2003 was a good amount of money. And I walked away from that to teach yoga full time. And then the many iterations of what I did evolved over the years to become my own brand, my own offering to yoga teachers, my, my focus 100% on helping yoga teachers be their most confident and authentic and extraordinary. 
And, uh, but I, but I walked away from that because I knew my passion was teaching yoga. Uh, but over the years and, and even last year when I didn't reach my goals, I would make it something about me. And the interesting thing was this year when we just did this exercise and I looked back in this mental moment at the goals I had set for myself in January of 2023, I did have that moment of realization that, oh, I didn't, I didn't reach that goal. But the amazing thing was I felt, it's not that I felt nothing. I felt like even though I hadn't reached the goal, I was 100% the kind of person who could reach the goal. And I wasn't that person in January. And that's been my lived experience this year. And I won't get into all the details because a lot of it has to do with the business, the business aspect. And when you go into business for yourself, it's like personal development, like exponential growth, because there's so many things that you're asking yourself to do, show up authentically, create programs, invest money in yourself when you're not maybe making the same amount of money coming in. There's so many things you're doing that are pushing you to your edge and over. And in a lot of ways, for me, I have a very high degree of confidence and I love showing up for people. And even still with that inclination, there are definitely times where I do something on social media. I have an Instagram live, I create a reel and I'm sort of worried like, oh, is this going to ruffle some feathers? And then I just say to myself, fuck it. I'm not going to worry about that. I can't control someone's reaction to me. I can only control me and what I do and how I show up. Am I showing up authentically? Am, am I sharing messaging that I want to share? Am I being of service? Am I adding value, right? And so for you, I want you to think about this in the context of not so much the way I'm talking right now, the entrepreneurship kind of container. I want you to think about this even, you know, just really simply like you go and teach a yoga class, it doesn't work out the way you wanted. So right there, what do you make that mean about you? What is the meaning you attach to that? You try out for that yoga slot in a particular studio, they call you back and they say, you didn't get it. What do you make that mean about you? You're teaching in a studio you don't really like, you want to quit and do something different, but you're afraid if you quit, no one else will hire you. What are you making that mean about you? You show up to teach a class and you really want to speak from your heart at the end of class, but instead you pull out a book and you read someone else's words because you don't think you can be inspiring enough on your own. What do you make that mean about you? You go to class, you want to do the walk and talk and somewhere along the way you get super nervous and you jump back on the mat into practice with them. What do you make that mean about you? So you see there are all these different triggers, all these different like forks in the road that we oftentimes come to, you know, if we just look at it through the lens of teaching yoga as the skill set, as the way of being, as the person, as the avatar, right? As the part of you who is a yoga teacher. And there we are, we're constantly given opportunities to make something mean something about us. And the, the idea here is that you control the meaning you make it mean. And you can make it mean anything. Like, it's not like lying to yourself, but it's sort of like, you know, in neuro-linguistic programming and not so much in neuroscience, but in NLP, we call it a reframe or it's called a reframe. 
So you're reframing something so that you can see it through a different lens so that you can see the value in the experience. So for instance, if you go in to teach your class and you have the intention and the goal of doing the walk and talk for the whole class and along the way, you find that it's necessary for you to hop back into practice with them. Instead of making that mean you're not a good teacher, you didn't meet your goal, how come you're not ready to do the walk and talk 100%? The reframe of that is I made it an exact... I made an executive decision in that moment that hopping back on the mat was the best thing to allow me to stay on track. That's a reframe that is 100% true. It is a choice that you needed to make so that you could continue to teach the class. You know, it would not be a good decision to you know, stay standing on your feet with your mind going blank and your heart rate increasing just because you went in with the intention of not practicing with your class. Because now what's happening is you're no longer being of service to your students because you're completely in sympathetic overload and freaking out. So that's just a really quick example of a reframe so that you can, you know, kind of take the emotional charge out of an experience and decrease the narrative around the experience that makes it mean you are not cutting it or you're a bad teacher or whatever other narrative comes up for you. So that's a question that, or that's a, that's an idea that I offer to you as an opportunity to keep in mind, to keep in your head even just a mantra, like nothing has any meaning except the meaning we give it. And just be on the lookout for when are you doing things or what narrative, what, what's the inner critic saying to you that is making it mean something about you. So that's definitely something I want you to keep in mind. Now, <clears throat> the other thing I wanted to share with you, which is you know, definitely in sort of the strategy area. You know, when I do these these episodes, I like to focus on maybe mindset. You know, I, I sort of think of like the four pillars. There's cueing, sequencing, understanding anatomy. Uh, you know, well, let me go backwards. There's um, how to share clear and effective cues. There's how to easily uh, um, and quickly build highly accessible sequences. There's how to understand anatomy in such a way that you can share it with your students. And then there's the mindset piece, how to bust through limiting beliefs so that you can be confident and extraordinary and authentic when you teach. And, you know, for each one of those things, there is the conversation about the topic. And then there are the strategies and the skills that fall under each area. And so right now what I wanna do is I wanna go a little bit into strategy, but before I do, I wanna just speak to something that I, I spoke to earlier today on my Instagram. And it has to do with sequencing. And I was reminded of this as I was just running through those four pillars for you. So by now I'm sure you've heard that Taylor Swift got Time Magazine, Time Magazine's person of the year. And there was an article that went with the award and it's a really good article about 
her life and it's her speaking it to the interviewer. So it's all her words. And she actually came out uh, the day she got the award, which was yesterday on December 6th and gave kudos, a shout out to the writer and said, I'm always afraid to speak to journalists because I'm always worried they're going to misrepresent what I said, but this article is 100% true to form. So she definitely endorsed the article and its contents, which is important because a lot of times you read things that people say, and then they read them and they're like, that's not even what I said in the interview. So the piece that I wanted to point out to you, and you'll see this if you read the article, is she talked about her preparation for this tour that she's been on. And I remember when she was midway through the tour, there was this whole narrative on TikTok. What is Taylor Swift doing to stay in shape? These shows are three hours, three and a half hours long, 40, 50 songs a night, three nights in a row. Like she is just physically, like the physical demand on her is just extreme. And she pulled back the curtain on that a little bit in this article. And so you might be like, well, Karen, why are you telling me this? Because the reason I'm telling you this is because in what she did to prepare is a super important, a critically important lesson for you as a yoga teacher. So she was talking about how she would go to the gym and run in the treadmill to the entire song list. So that takes three hours. I didn't quite understand if she literally meant she was running for three hours on the treadmill, but it seemed that that was the way she was saying it. And as you know, her songs are very complex. The lyrics are very detailed. So she, and she'd even a couple of times in several of the shows would forget the words and she'd kind of joke and say, okay, we're starting again. And there was a lesson there for us as yoga teachers. She kept it light. She showed your, her humility. She didn't make it a big deal. Back to what I just said before, she didn't make it mean something about her. And the crowd loved it and they embraced her. They, they embraced her humanity. And who among us cannot relate to fucking up something that we're doing, right? Like we all can relate to that. And in that humanity, we build connection. But that's not the lesson I wanted to tell you about. So along with that, she also said one of the things she did was she practiced the choreography that went with each song over and over and over again. And I'm paraphrasing here. She said, basically, I practiced the choreography over and over again because, and this is the important part, because I wanted it to be second nature so that I wouldn't be thinking about the choreography as I was singing and I had energy and presence and focus enough to build connection with the audience. Please hear the lesson in that for you. The lesson in that for you is the sequence. In her world, it's the choreography and the lyrics to the song and the playing the musical instrument. In our world, it's the sequence and the cues. And what she basically said was that in order to best connect with her audience, she needed to have the choreography nailed down. She needed to know it on an automatic, unconscious competence level. And if you are changing your sequences all the time or going in and winging it, you are not connecting with your students to the degree that you can or you could 
if you would simply teach a similar, if not the same sequence over and 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 over again until it becomes unconsciously competent, that level of knowledge to you, the same thing she's talking about. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of beliefs that will come up for you that will say, oh, I can't do that. I, oh my God, my studio charges $35 a class. Like I couldn't possibly teach the same sequence Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And those people are paying $35 or, oh my God, I couldn't teach the same sequence from class to class. I see the same people all the time. They're going to get bored. I mean, I don't need to tell you what the beliefs are. You probably have them or you've heard them, or maybe you have other beliefs besides the two I just mentioned. And see, this is what I mean about the mindset piece. And mindset encapsulates not just the stuff we tell ourselves, which is identity-based mindset challenges, but it's the things we believe, which are limiting beliefs. Notice the word limiting is before belief. If it's an up-leveling belief, great, but beliefs are often limiting because they hold us back from something. Remember at the beginning of this conversation, I said, you're getting in the car and you're driving to the destination and the destination is a transformative one in our effort to be an extraordinary yoga teacher. We're not driving the car backwards, right? And so when you think of it that way, you want to cut through those limiting beliefs. You don't want to listen to those limiting beliefs and continue to shore them up in your life because they're limiting. When we believe all that stuff I just said about teaching the same sequence all the time, we're putting more value in assumptions than the literal strategy. You know, here is the world's biggest global superstar. If that isn't enough proof and evidence that your inner critic needs to justify teaching the same sequence over and over again, then I don't know, then you're just digging your heels in and, and, and standing up for your limiting beliefs. And if you're standing up for your limiting beliefs, then honestly, you're not willing, you're not coachable, and you're going to stay exactly where you are. And that's just the honest truth. When we stand up and justify our limiting beliefs, we basically say to the universe, I can't change. I don't believe I can change. I don't believe it's possible. And once we get to that point, we're almost at the end of the line. I mean, when you even think it's Christmas season, when you even think of that classic, what is it? Like the movie with Scrooge or Christmas Carol, like he was very, very old and very, very set in his ways. And yet he still found a window of opportunity to change the essence of who he was. Same with the Grinch, right? The Grinch who stole Christmas, he found a way to change. You know, the catalyst was something different. And it took, in A Christmas Carol, it took him seeing the three different like angels or apparitions and Christmas past or Christmas present and Christmas of the future to see like, holy shit, if I don't change my path, that's my future. And so I would ask you, if you're standing up for your limiting beliefs, 
what's the future that you see for yourself as a yoga teacher? Because I can promise you, if you are trying to justify these limiting beliefs, the future is not so rosy for you. And you can make the choice right now not to put any stock in them. And, you know, I'll tell you another just quick story that falls into this category. So number one, that's the lesson from Taylor Swift. Number two, I want to just tell you like just a related piece about this putting stock in limiting beliefs. Limiting beliefs in yoga teachers sometimes come from who they are, from limiting beliefs they have about themselves that are resident in them long before they ever went to teacher training. But there's a whole other batch of limiting beliefs that yoga teachers have that come from things they learned in training and things that they hear from other teachers. Like a lot of the conversations I have with teachers in my program are things like, oh, well, I heard you have to have a peak pose in your sequence. Oh, well, I heard if you do a back bend, you have to do a forward bend. Oh, well, I heard, I mean, these are all true statements that I can't start my class in standing. Who would ever say that? Who would ever say to a yoga teacher, someone who is in a position of authority, like an owner of a studio speaking to a teacher that works there, don't start your classes in standing. Like says fucking who? You? Who are you to say that? Like, honestly. And so this person would go off and believe, oh shit, I can't start my classes in standing. Why? Because Jane Smith at Yada Yada Yoga Studio says, don't do that. Well, who fucking cares what Jane Smith says? Like, honestly, I really want you to ask yourself not to diss somebody, but to really put it in a reality perspective of, so what? It's all opinion. It's all opinion. It's all approach. And when anything is a rule that you're following, that holds you back from teaching in a way where you feel the most empowered, that's not a good rule. You want to have your own way of teaching that allows you to show up authentically and confidently. And I get it, you know, especially if you're new, you're out there, you're hearing what people say. And again, you're sort of like that cork in the ocean, like, oh, well, this person says that. And this person says this, well, I guess I should do that. And I totally get it. So please hear me. I am not blaming you. I am simply giving you a perspective. Honest to God, you'll never hear from another yoga teacher. Now that's a little bit of a extraordinary statement. Do I know every yoga teacher? No, but I really don't think this is a conversation that you'll have with other yoga teachers in the way that I'm sharing it with you. And I, and I can say that because I'm the only me. <laughs> and so even if you're new, I want you to be a wise consumer, uh, an alert critic, not in a critical way, but to really start to like, listen to what people are saying and to say to yourself, Hmm, does that make sense? I mean, think about it. Even if you don't do any investing, think about like the classic story of, oh, Joe down the street told me he's investing in Caterpillar or he's investing in Starbucks or he's investing in crypto. I'm going to invest in crypto. It's like, dude, take a breath, <laughs> do your research, do your own research before you make an investment just on the basis of what somebody told you to do. 
It's the same thing here. But see, the problem is it's shrouded in this context of, oh, well, she's a yoga teacher that has more experience, or she has 500 hours of training, or she's been on the cover of Yoga Journal. Again, great. And doesn't mean they're, they know what they're doing. Doesn't mean that their way is the only way. Doesn't mean that I have to follow their way, even if it does make sense. Maybe it just makes sense for them. Like, honestly, the, the bottom line of all of this is that you can do whatever you want. You just need to have a good, solid rationale for what you do. And the rationale for what you do comes from knowledge and skills and experience. And that does not mean you have to wait until you're teaching for a long time before you can do it the way you want to do it. And that's why I love when teachers enroll in my program, because I know I can collapse timelines for them. I can fast forward them to a way of being where in 90 days, they have the required knowledge and skills and strategies so that they can start to think for themselves. The, the knowledge and the skills and strategies and the way I share them in my program, you do not get in 200, 300 or 500 hour trainings. And I see the impact of that lack of an approach because teachers that enroll in my program have 200, 300, 500 hours of training and do not feel confident and do not feel like they are teaching authentically and are following a bunch of rules and don't feel like they're extraordinary teachers. So I know the system is not producing that kind of result. And I know that I do get those results with teachers. And it's not because I get them, it's because I light the fire and they get them. My whole approach is to give you strategies so that you can tap into your own way of doing it. It's never going to be, say this stuff, here's this script, here's how to do it, here's this rules, don't say these cues. Never will I ever approach things from that perspective. So I'm all about empowering you with the tools you need so that you can go out there and be a critical consumer and have the confidence to show up as you want to. So, you know, this whole way that I got here in large part comes because even from the beginning, I mean, even though I talked about, you know, when I was beginning as a teacher and I emulated Baron and he was my first teacher and I worked for him for many years, I quit my corporate job to work for him and, you know, was very ensconced in that community. I never 100% sold my soul to it. And I was different in that way because there were a lot of teachers around me who did. And that's not a judgment. It's just my observation. You know, there were people that were very, very much in the mode of, oh, here's my, here's more money, Baron, for your this training and that training and this training and that training. I mean, there was a whole um, ladder of trainings you could do. And I definitely did a bunch of them. But there came a point where there was a level of commitment that I was being asked for that just didn't feel right to me. 
it felt like to me, I was being asked to sell my soul. And I remember there was this one opportunity where we were sitting in a circle and a bunch of us as teachers were meeting with him and he was going into this whole approach for how we were supposed to be teaching in our classes and what we were supposed to be doing. And, and I just remember thinking to myself, like, this does not sit well with me. This does not feel like how I want to show up as a teacher. And, you know, even when I broke out of that or kind of transitioned away from that model and that community and began taking trainings with another person, um, I was really relieved that there was a lot less of the community pressure vibe in that community. But the thing in that community that really amazed me was there were people that were just running their credit card left and right to take trainings with this person. And I remember when I went to my first training with this person, I was in this retreat center with like a whole bunch of people who had been to a lot of trainings with, um, with this person. And they would say to me like, oh, have you signed up for the yada yada that, that this person's doing in yada yada place next, you know, in a couple of months. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm here at this one. Oh, well, you got to sign up for, you got to get it. You got to get in quick because the spots are going to go. And the more I would meet people at this training, I would hear like, oh my God, these people are like quitting their jobs, taking all this time off, leaving their families to like go to all these trainings. And it's like, dude, are you even out there teaching yet? And like, what is the end game here? Like, you're just going to keep running the credit card with this person and getting more and more hours and not actually teaching? Like what's going on here? And so I was never bought into that system. And right now that's really what the system is like. It's like an hours-based system with an organization, Yoga Alliance, that holds itself out as the registry, but everybody out in the community calls it certification, which is not true. Yoga Alliance has no eyes on anybody, no hands on anybody, no boots on the ground. So all of what you're doing in your world to be trained is 100% between you and the person that's training you. There's no certification because no one is auditing what's happening. And in fact, you know, the dozens of stories I hear from teachers about the training they went to where the anatomy part wasn't good at all because the person that taught it really didn't know anatomy or the person that taught it was someone in the training that just happened to be a physical therapist. So the studio owner said, Hey, can you teach the anatomy part on and on and on? It's all a reflection of the fact that there is no boots on the ground. There is no oversight. And so what this means, and this is not to diss it. I mean, great. They drew a line in the sand. They created themselves in, as an organization. I've been teaching even before yoga Alliance existed. So I have the before and after framework perspective. All I'm saying is what that means to me, and I share this with you as a perspective, buy into it or don't, that's up to you, is all this hours-based stuff is sort of an illusion. It's an illusion that's been created and perpetuated and upheld by the industry, but it doesn't really mean anything in the real world. None of your students care how many hours of training you have. They don't even know about yoga lines. They don't even know what an hour of training is in the world. What only matters is what you want to be as a teacher and the results you want to get. 
and the kind of teacher you want to be and what is going to help you get there. I don't care if it's an hours-based program, if it's a teacher that you know in your community that's gonna take you under their wing for six months, if it's you going to a mountaintop and meditating for six months and coming back free of your limiting beliefs so you can crush it in the studio. I don't care. All I'm asking you to do is once again, like I said earlier, be a smart consumer. Don't be caught in the trend. Don't be caught in the flow of what everybody else is doing. And again, do what you want, but don't buy into the narrative that hours equals excellent teaching because it doesn't. You know, it's like when people say to me, oh, well, I can learn anatomy from a book. Really? <laughs> How many hundreds and thousands of yoga teachers have tried to learn anatomy from a book with no results? Because it's really hard really hard to do. So the point of that story is that for me, I have consistently been like one eye out, one eye outside the community, one eye outside the trends and always asking, does this really make sense? Does this jive with what I know? Is this something I need to be asking more questions about? I have never been one to just hop in the boat and just go downstream. Because I need to sort of be sure for myself that I get what's being thrown down here. And that doesn't mean I don't take risks, but it means that I don't just blindly go with the flow. And that's just me. I don't know if that's you. And I don't know if you just blindly going with the flow works for you as a, as a paradigm for your life, or if you've had experiences in your life or as a yoga teacher where you've gone with the flow, like you've invested in that 500 hour training and spent $5,000 and traveled to wherever and come home. And two weeks later, you're like, okay, Mm, that didn't really help me. Yeah, it was great to meet everybody. It was great to hang out with everybody. I got a bunch of new knowledge, but how did it help me actually transform as a teacher? Like everybody feels great when they come back from training. Like that's just a natural offshoot of the experience. But that's not why we go to training. We go to training to get results towards a personal goal we have to be a different kind of teacher than we are right now. And so that's a really important question to ask yourself before you take any kind of training. Is it going to give me the results that I want? So I think I'm going to end it there and I'm going to save the last topic for another conversation because I don't want this to go on too much longer just to kind of keep it a little bit shorter. And I hope that some of these conversations that we've had today just spark some of thoughts, some interest in your mind and know that if you're looking ahead at 2024 and you're looking at 2024 as a way for you to really bust out and to really shine and to really be that extraordinary teacher. I mentioned it on the last episode and I'm gonna mention it again. For the month of December, just for you as a podcast listener, I'm running a special that will give you an extra month of support when you enroll in my program in the month of December. 
So all you need to do to take advantage of that extra month at no extra cost is just send me a DM on Instagram. Just say that you heard about the special offer on the podcast and you want to find out more about what is it like to work with me. So with that, we will wrap this one up and I will talk to you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. Namaste. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as a special thanks, DM me the words podcast offer, and I'll share with you a special opportunity for yoga teachers who are ready to be confident and skilled and drop all the prep time you most likely are doing, getting ready for class, drop practicing with class, and instead do what I call the walk and talk, drop using the same cues over and over, and drop worrying what other people think. If this is you and you're ready to step into your most powerful, authentic way of teaching, just DM me the words podcast offer on my Instagram and I'll tell you how I can help you.